0: Hey, Pastor John Aiken here. Thank you so much for tuning in to the Faith Center podcast. We hope today's teaching will awaken and equip you to live out your God-given purpose. Enjoy. And um, so we're going to jump into, into tonight because I think we want to do a little prayer time right afterwards. Uh, we've been doing a lot of teaching and stuff, and then I always prepare 5,000 to try to teach the whole Bible in one lesson, and uh, good Lord, what do you got in that cup? <laughs> if I drank that before I taught, I'd have, I'd good, that's just like a whole bunch of sugar is what that looks like, uh, uh, <laughs> and so I want to have a, a prayer time, a little bit of a prayer time afterwards, and we're into the prayer time. If you need to go, you just leave, whatever. But I just feel like we need to minister. Uh, last week, I got a little bit passionate. Of course, go figure, I tend to do that. But um, I want to try to make sure we have some prayer time tonight. And so we're going to start with giving our offering. And tonight's offering goes towards helping with the, the Matt 25 and giving the, the back-to-school supplies for the kids that Christina talked about on Sunday tonight. Offering goes to that again, and so you are now an usher, and you are an usher as always, as pass it or do whatever. So, Father, in Jesus' name, I thank you for the tithes and offerings um, through your people that you um, have just blessed us. I thank you that you are good and your mercy endures forever. And we thank you, Lord, that uh, the money that supplies these supplies for these kids and for these parents will we'll just be a testimony. Just We, we just assign your love to it, and just that when they receive it, God, they will know they are not forgotten, they are not overlooked, and that you care for them, God. So we thank you for it, and this is what we give to in Jesus' mighty name. Amen. So make sure you have a sheet. Uh, tonight we're going to be talking about what does the Bible say about creation, but I'm going to take a little different route on it. I love teaching about this. Matter of fact, I did a number of years ago I did a whole series of teachings um, actually going pre-Genesis. And pre-Genesis, what I mean is we talked about the origin of God. We talked about the origin of demons. We talked about the the Bible. And, and we, we've we done some of this here on Tuesday nights where we've talked about, uh, you know, where the Bible come from. How can you trust the Bible? That kind of stuff. We've done that on and you can get those on other Go back to where you get the podcast and that kind of stuff, and you can listen to some of those from previous Tuesday nights. But uh, we did a thing about creation and different aspects about creation. We got to a lot of details about a lot of different aspects. We're not, and it went all the way through the book of Genesis and then all the way through the book of Exodus. And so it was, I think it was called the full gospel, or I, I don't know, something like that. But it was year, the full counsel of God. Yeah, that's what we talked about. And and it was really good, so i'm I'm been tempted to to go through that and put all those on video, but it, it was a, it was a long time that we went through that. And so there's a lot of stuff I have on that about creation that's really exciting. I could chase lots of rabbits about some things. Some of y'all I know have been to the uh, anybody been to the Creation Museum? A few people have been to the Creation Museum or Noah's Ark, which is kind of near there, each other. Um, it's really cool stuff. Uh, so this won't be that in-depth. I actually want to speak to it from a perspective of kind of the world in which we live. To The reason we you need to know the Bible and know what the Bible says is you need to know how to speak to truth and give an answer of truth. The technical term for it would be called apologetics. Um, We've talked about this a number of different times that you need to be ready to give an answer for the reason you believe to the person who asks. which is just, and in our day and time to be a disciple, you need to know how to speak to what does the Bible say about some of these different issues. And we are going to cover some different issues over the next few weeks. I want to try to have some other people speak in between so you just don't get totally tired of me. Stop coming on Tuesdays and stop coming on Sundays. I'm like, oh my gosh, all he does is talk. But, uh, and so I want to have some others speak and, and, but some of the topics we're going to be covering in the next few weeks, uh, probably going to be, I don't have them lined out in which order yet, but what does the Bible say about sex? And you can't just listen to that on a podcast. You got to be here for that one. (laughs) Uh, what does the Bible say about, uh, homosexuality and from a perspective of how do you talk to somebody about it in a loving way? How do you talk to somebody about what does the Bible say about this? And, and in a loving way, I'm going to, we're going to walk through some of that stuff. We're going to talk about, I don't know, a few other things. What, uh, what does the Bible say about women in ministry? We'll talk about that and, and some of the different things about that. I don't know, stuff like that. So, That's what we'll do in the next few weeks. So anyways, next few months, I guess. I don't know how long it'll take, but we'll walk through all that. The sex one, we might take two weeks on, (laughs) Uh, just for those of us who are slow. And praise the Lord. So tonight, I want to speak about the creation part, but not just about, we're going to focus on it from a perspective of how do you speak to some of that today when you're talking with somebody. You have a, I want you to view this as as like you're, you're having a conversation with somebody and some people, if you're going to stand for truth and speak to stuff, they want to have a lot of details, they got a lot of questions, but sometimes they ask too many questions. And no matter, even in Jesus' day, he had all, he is the answer. And when he gave answers to people, his answers were not good enough. His miracles, for some people, were not good enough. So don't fall into the trap thinking you have to have all the right answers to to win somebody over to the Lord. Because some people ask because they're arguing. And they're asking actually to trip you up. So sometimes the best way to do it is just keep it simple and guard the relationship that you're dealing with the person, guard the relationship, because you can lose the argument, but be honorable in the relationship. And the seeds that you've sown, could God could bring growth to those seeds later on. And because you weren't a jerk about it, you stood for truth and the truth that you knew. So I'm not talking about compromising truth, but you don't try to force stuff or throw stuff at somebody to beat them into submission. In truth, you love them. As you lead them. And we need the Holy Spirit to be able to do that. So when people talk about the environment um, and all the different terminologies that they give to the environment. And some people just get real impatient and think, oh, anything about the environment, that's just hogwash. There's no climate change or whatever they call it now. There's none of that stuff. You know, we we have to be careful about some things. And, and so I want to just hit a few different things, and I might have time for questions. Um, I don't know. Don't hold your breath, because there's a bunch of stuff that I want to get into, so we're just going to jump into it. Lord, help in Jesus' name. Amen. So let's look at your sheet. Creation or evolution is kind of how we're going to start this thing. So creation, the Bible teaches intelligent design. So circle that intelligent design. Hopefully that's not a phrase you're not you're unaware of. the, the word intelligent design um, is a key phrase, and I want you to circle that phrase. So intelligent design. So intelligent design is obvious when we examine any mechanical device so if you look at any device any invention you you would see that there's an intelligent or an intentional design so the concept the design the function of a machine are self evident the design reveals the can anybody guess what it is designer the design reveals the designer and this is what's true you know about god so if you have your bibles open up to romans chapter 1 and i want you to see a few we're going to turn through a number of different scriptures tonight Uh, Many of you are very familiar with this. If you have not read through the book of Romans, many times people tell you to read through the Gospel of John or the Gospel of Matthew or the Gospel of Luke, and all that's great, you should do that. What I like to tell people is read through the book of Romans. Reading through the book of Romans will really help you out. Um, And in Romans chapter 1, starting, for sake of time, just look at verse 20. For since the creation of the world, His invisible attributes are clearly seen, being understood by the things that are made, even His eternal power and Godhead, so that they are without excuse. So here's what the Bible teaches through the intelligent design is the designer is seen in the design, and so that's why anybody in any generation that you see the sun, you see the stars, uh, you see you see any you see creation. Creation reveals the creator. Now, different people respond to that in different ways, and and make uh, in their ignorance they they. They begin to, to distort that, but the, the thing you need to the, just get, instead of getting lost in the details and some kind of debate and argument about, this is one of the things that you should be able to, when somebody's talking about the beauty of a horizon, or the beauty of a sunset, or the beauty of whatever, if, they, if you're talking to somebody, you know, looking at the Grand Canyon, isn't this beautiful? There's nobody who stands at the, great can, at the Grand Canyon, and I've actually never seen it. Sarah and I have talked about going there. Well, I've flown over it um, and, and really was thanking God that we didn't fly into it and at the time. But, you know, we talked about standing there. So I've thought, standing at the Grand, I've seen other places, but standing at the Grand Canyon, no one's thinking about how great I am. You're thinking about, whoa. Creation is revealing God is big. The stars. Uh, Louis Giglio's got a teaching. Oh, what was the name of that teaching he did on stars? And I taught it years ago here. I taught parts of it year, about the stars and all that kind of stuff. And uh, what was the name of that teaching? Maybe. Uh, yeah, indescribable. Or something, man. He did a teaching. We were at the Passion Conference like years ago. And he did a teaching about starting in like how much concrete is in Hoover Dam. And then he worked out to different things and your mind is blown there. And he takes it into, you know, the the how far the the, the sun is and how far the moon is and how far what's a light year and da da. da. He just and it blows your mind. It's incredible when you study creation out to the furthest stars and then he looks inward to the smallest molecule and it all reveals God. It all reveals science reveals God. And and it's just incredible. And so when you're talking about this stuff, don't look don't try to get lost in the details of somebody arguing or debating with you if you can come to an agreement of like is that sun and star is this not beautiful? You know, it's just, it's just, and you begin to see, yeah, and some of you who, sometimes people in worship, when you want to worship the Lord, it's good to get outdoors and get outside. And for some of you, if you're stuck or in a dry place, one of the best things you can do is go out in nature and just, and just, Lord, you, you are good and see that. So the other, the other side of this thing is evolution. So in 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 1859, Charles Darwin published *The Origin of Species*. And um, from this work arose a modern evolutionary movement, which is it's hard to really describe all of it. In my opinion, years ago I did a lot of research on it. Recently, I did some research, and things change in it. There's there's different. It's 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 a floating thing. Uh, but its key assumption, its key assumption, it doesn't work at all until you go back to the original. Key part, which is spontaneous generation, so circle that word um, and what that speaks to is organic life developing from inorganic matter like a rock, so what it speaks to is is life coming out of no life, and that doesn't happen it doesn't happen it's impossible and 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 people scientists and and People who, they, they clearly, this is where, it's, a, it's, a, it's an assumption. They assume like some rock or some, some mud thing or something somewhere, you know, had spontaneous generation spontaneously became alive and created a living cell. And when you study that stuff out, you have to assume in order for even the beginning process of evolution to work, it had to start with some kind of life. And they've tried to recreate that in different laboratories, in different settings, in different, different biosphere, different things. They've tried to recreate this, and it doesn't work. Doesn't work. And, and so the phrase I have down there is quoted from a guy named Mark Eastman, who's a medical professor and or medical doctor, and, and in this book called Creation by Design, he said it the best way. He said, the probability of spontaneous generation is about the same as the probability of a tornado sweeping through a junkyard, and it could assemble a Boeing 747 from the contents therein. So you, th- you think about that. A tornado comes through a junkyard, and all the dead pieces come to now a the tornado comes through and it's all randomly assembled into a functioning 747. Doesn't work that way. That's how my science projects were, by the way, in high school. <laughs> but that's not how God's science projects work. OK, so it's just so instead of getting mad at the person and how could you be so ignorant? And oh, my gosh, I can't instead of re- realize that there's probably a level of deception, spiritual deception. So you have compassion on the person as you are confronting the 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 arrogance or the ignorance that is is happening within them. You have compassion on the person and you realize like guys, look, this is this is. Spontaneous generation does, it, it does not work. That, and there's all kind of other stuff you can go to. Matter of fact, a great website that you can go to uh, is called, um, um Lord, uh, Genesis Apologetics, genesisapologetics.com. It's a great website to go to if you're interested in studying a bunch of this this stuff uh, and looking at it. So Genesis 1-1. You don't have to look at it. It's right there on your notes. You should know this verse. This would be a great verse for you to memorize. (laughs) In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. A couple things I want you to see. Notice that heavens is plural. Not to, not to chase a rabbit. There's not multiple thrones. There's not multiple heavenly cities, but there are different dimensions of heaven. That's a whole other teaching. There's not only one, what we consider to be heaven is really one place, but he created the heavens and the earth. Singular. And, and so the word created there uh, is bara. Is a Hebrew word bara, and to create it means to create out of nothing, and the verb has God as its only subject. So every verb must be connected to a subject, uh, and so God in this verse is the only subject. The earth didn't create itself; there wasn't some kind of spontaneous generation; there wasn't some kind of thing that just happened. God was the activator. In the beginning, God. It's not in the beginning the the earth created itself or the earth came into being. The scripture says, in the beginning, God created. Okay? And so, and some people would say they have such an earthly mindset, in the beginning God created the earth. But the truth is, you can't really understand the purpose of earth until you understand that he created the heavens first and then the earth we fight for the earth when god's plan for the earth is to do away with it we fight for the earth as if god is going to be is god is like his plan is to save planet earth his plan is to save the people on earth his plan is not to save planet earth does that mean we should be irresponsible no I'm going to talk about that here in a second but the goal is not to save planet earth Because God's plan is creating even a new heaven and a new earth. Okay? So so in creation, the bottom of the page, in creation, the main issue is not how, like how God created it. We can have lots of debates. There's so many different subjects. There's the gap theory you can talk about. There's, and I, I went into some of these different things and showed some of those in that other teaching I was talking about. There's, is, it, is it six days or 6,000 years or is it more than that? You, there's a bunch of debates you can get into. And some of those things are very enlightening and very good to get into. But I'm talking basic level here. If the person does not believe in the beginning God. then then you need to stop, uh, really make sure that the Holy Spirit is leading you into what you say or do next. Because if you just start throwing a bunch of facts at them, if you just start trying to win an argument because you don't want to lose an argument and you're going to fight this fight for God, or if you're going to put that person in their place, you need to shut your mouth. Because we're not trying to win an argument. We're trying to win souls. And the Holy Spirit in your mouth being closed can sometimes reveal more to that person than you saying too much or saying it in the wrong way. I've done, trust me, I know by experience. I know by experience. You know, of of saying too much, going too far, because my passion goes beyond my compassion, and 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 I, and I, I lose it. So it's not about how it was created. It's not about how, but it's about who. It's not about how, it's about who. Just like the book of Revelation. People talk about the book of, book of Revelation, and they look at all these things of when this is going to happen, when that's going to happen. Is it pre-trib? Is it post-trib? When is it is it, when, when it going to happen? When, 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 when? And I love what Jack Hayford said one time. He said, the question of the book of Revelation is not when. The question of the book of what, Revelation is what. What is going to happen? Because we get caught up in when, then people come up. Jesus is coming back in two, year two thousand, and Jesus come back some other time. And I just, Sarah showed me something today. I'm going to chase. I'm going to say this. I can't believe I'm going to say this, but it just popped into my mind for some reason. There's a guy in New York City, a pastor in New York City. I'm going to share it. Who the church was robbed on Sunday morning? Anybody hear about this? The church was robbed. I wish I could do the video. This church in Brooklyn, the pastor is up there. I wish I could show the video. But the pastor was up there, and people came in with guns. So it was a really scary moment. Came in with guns, and the pastor stopped preaching. He thought they were going to start shooting everybody. The pastor went down on the floor. It's scary. It's scary. But they stole all the pastor's jewelry that he had on and what his wife had on. $1.43 million. Wasn't that how much it was? Did you see it? Is that right? Oh, yeah. So a little over a million dollars worth of jewelry on the pastor. You know, so tonight's offering. <laughs> so so here's the deal. Here's the deal. Don't come in with a gun. I'll give it to you. This was seven bucks at Walmart. <laughs> I will I know it looks bougie and stuff, but I'll give it to you. I couldn't believe that. And then the pastor. Now, he's not a pastor. He's a bishop. I'm sorry. He's a bishop. I can't. I can't. I got to stop. I got to stop. Yeah, good boss. Yeah, I just couldn't couldn't believe because I'm I'm four nice things for nice things. I just couldn't believe that. I don't know what made me think about that. Maybe somebody said YouTube or something. That's probably evidence of why you don't need to get on YouTube. All right. Back to note. So it's not an issue of of how it's an issue of who. It's an issue of who it's in the beginning, God, in the beginning of God. And, and so I'm not saying how is not important, but who is, is much more important. And so the backside truths that can give you peace and purpose, truths that can give you peace and purpose. And here's what I mean by that. If you're, if you're talking about things, there's some people that I've talked to people that have heard all this climate change uh, stuff and they get fearful. They get very fearful. That's a real thing. So that's why I'm talking about this stuff should give you peace when you hear a bunch of stuff in the news. And then it should give you purpose. And what's my responsibility? What's my responsibility within the Great Commission, within we're not trying to save the planet, we're trying to save souls. So we want to walk in what we should be doing in this planet Uh, for that greater purpose of saving souls. So what gives me peace and what gives me purpose? And the first thing I want you to see is that God is creator and sustainer. So look in Colossians 1, 16. God is creator and sustainer. He's the creator and the sustainer. It begins and ends with Him. Colossians 1, verse 16. It's in the New Testament. You make a, a right from where we were. Hopefully these scriptures will be very familiar to you, but Colossians 1 and really probably verse 15 and 16. So it says, He is the image. Okay, I hear, still here, pages turning. So Colossians 1, 15 and 16 says, He is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn over all creation. For by Him... All things were created that are in heaven and that are on the earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones, dominions, principalities, powers, and all things were created through him and for him. All things are through him and for him. So God really didn't create anything for you or me. He, tell, he, he has us enjoy things for a season and for a reason, but He creates them that we get to participate in it and enjoy it and be stewards of it, but it's all from Him, uh, through Him, and to Him is what it says in, an, in another scripture. And, and so then Hebrews 1, if you look over just in Hebrews 1, and, and by the way, notice in that scripture, there are things visible and... So just because it's invisible doesn't mean it's not real. Matter of fact, if you can see the invisible, you can do the impossible. Because it's the invisible that actually drives the visible. Uh, and so Hebrews 1. And I love, we'll just look at 1 through 3 because I love, I love this little section. I love, I've always loved the scripture. God, who at various times and in various ways has spoke in time past to the fathers, you know, Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, through the prophets, has in these last days spoken to us by his Son, whom he has appointed heir of all things, uh, through whom also he made the worlds. Because Remember Sunday I told you through the Word. He made everything through his Word. Who being the brightness of his glory and the express image of his person, and upholding all things by the word of his power, look at that phrase upholding all things by the word of his power that's huge and when he had himself purged our sins sat down at the right hand of God on majesty on high so this some of you may disagree with what I'm about to say, but I'm, I'm going to say this give me give me a a well, I'm not going to set you up for failure. I do not believe God is in control. We say that, and I know what people mean when they say that. But technically, God is not in control. Scripture talks about in Psalms 115 that God has given earth, He has given the world, given earth to mankind. God gave the world to Adam. Adam gave the world to Satan. That's why Jesus, when he was being tempted by Satan, uh, you see it, I I believe it's in Mark 4 or Luke 4, one of the two, where Satan was tempting Jesus. He said, I'll give you all the kingdoms of this world because they have been delivered unto me or given unto me and I'll give them to whoever I want. Well, who gave the world to Satan? It wasn't God. God gave the world to Adam. Adam gave the world to Satan. That's why it's called the prince and the power of the air. And so my point is, we are, we are participants with God. We are co-laborers, co-workers with God. We have responsibility in stuff. We have a partnership with God. God is at work is a right statement. God is at work. God is in the lead is the right statement. God is leading is an accurate statement. God is at work is an accurate statement. Uh, God is unchangeable is an accurate statement. God never changes. God does not lie is an accurate statement. But God in control, especially if it's meaning God's in control so it doesn't matter what I or anybody else do, that's, in my opinion, biblically not accurate. There's a lot of things that God did not plan for my life that I ended up doing because I did not follow God's lead. Now he can redeem that and work that all out for good when I yield back to him even my pain or my or my problem when i yield- even the suffering that I've been through, when I give that to God, now he can use that and work it and redeem it into something beautiful he can take God can take the junkyard and turn it into a boeing seven forty seven and so. We just got to be careful. We say things, I'll go, God's in control. And, and I know what, we, what most people mean when they say that. And I would agree with the gist of what somebody means with that. But I think there's a better way to say it. Hey, God's at work. Yeah, God's in charge. He's in the lead. He, God he has authority. You know? Uh, so anyways, this is just something that I think is important when we, when we look at this. So the second thing is, God is the owner and we are the stewards. God is the owner and we are the stewards. And and Psalm 24 talks about just the, you can look that up later, but it talks just about the the whole earth is the Lord's. The whole earth is the Lord. Just a great scripture there. And that next line is, God is at work, not in control. I forgot I put that in there. So I have it right in there. God is at work, not in control. Uh, The next line, the thing that would help you out is, I can't figure out everything. How many of y'all like to figure stuff out? You got to know when to stop. I do want to look at this verse, Deuteronomy 29, 29. I know it's way back in the left-hand side of your Bible. But this verse will help you out. And there's other verses we could put in there but this one has always been very meaningful to me because there's certain times that I've got to learn. You know what? I can't figure that out. Deuteronomy 29, verse 29. The secret things belong to the Lord our God. But those things... By the way, does anybody have something other than secret things in your Bible? The hidden things. Anybody have something else or... So the hidden things, the secret things belong to the Lord our God, but those things which are revealed belong to us and to our children forever that we may do all the words of this law. So it defines your responsibility. What God has revealed by His Spirit through His Word belongs to us. What He has not revealed by His Spirit through His Word belongs to Him. Lord, I trust you when I don't understand you. Matter of fact, when I was praying about a funeral coming up and sharing some things at it, I just was just r- reminded of, of, you know, we asked the question, why, when difficult and painful things happen? And you know the scripture where it says that the peace of God, in Philippians 4, I believe it is, the peace of God shall, which surpasses understanding will guard your heart and mind in Christ Jesus. Well, when you study out that chapter and you, you really look at it, what he's, what he's talking about is, so the peace of God is above, surpasses, goes beyond understanding, meaning my ability to understand what's happening. So that, that means I have to give up my need and my self-perceived right to understand what's happening. Do you want understanding or do you want peace? And if I want understanding, I will sometimes lose my peace. But if I want peace, I must sometimes forsake my understanding because, God, I trust you when I don't understand what you're doing. I trust you. And that will give you peace. And when you have peace, it helps you have understanding of what God has revealed. When you don't have peace, because you're seeking out a self-driven, self-centered need, compulsion to understand because of your need to control or to whatever, then you sabotage, your need to understand sabotages your peace. But if you have peace it will actually build up your ability to understand. That makes sense? Okay. So you got to be able to say, I can't figure out everything. So tell the person next to you, say, I think he's talking about you. (laughs) She said, I know he's talking about you. (laughs) Well, that's awesome. Uh, So the next one is, I can have faith in God. I can have faith in God. And Hebrews 11.3 says, by faith, and think about this. It says, by, if you've not looked at that verse, mark it. or if you want to look at it right now, it says, by faith we understand. About, talking about how God created, the, how he formed and framed the worlds. So by faith we understand. So the greatest understanding comes by faith. And you can have faith in God even when you don't understand things that have happened in your life. That's one of the greatest tools of the enemy, by the way. Is to use your previous pain in your life. See, I had a father who I know loved me, but didn't know how to love me because he, uh, most of my time in my childhood, he spent um, he was he was drunk, and and so I just grew up thinking that was normal. I thought everybody's father came home drunk. I thought everybody came home and and just watched his mom get yelled at for hours and, and cussed at for hours and, and what, and kids just yelled at and cussed at for hours. I mean, I just thought that was normal. I didn't know that was not normal. I thought that happened in everybody's house and all just what, what drinking did. And my dad pulling in the driveway and just having that, you know, thing you want to run and hide, but you can't, you know, and just all the dysfunction of it. But yet I knew my dad loved me. He was just under the power of, of darkness and of addiction. And so, uh, there is a reason I was saying that story. Past pains. There you go. Thank you. So um, so what happened in my life, there that created a perspective in me. So the way my earthly father treated me began to create a lens in how I looked at my heavenly father. And so I looked at my heavenly father through a distorted lens. I'm telling you, and then you make these judgments and decisions and belief systems that are built on a distorted, faulty foundation and perspective from the pains of your life because you are at the center. If God is love, then why did my father come home drunk all the time? And you start with you at the center, and it all the math is always going to be off. But if you begin to say, God, I put you at the center and, and, and you gave this world to Adam, Adam gave it to Satan, this is a fallen world, I will not know you fully in this world because this world cannot fully contain you because it fell out of your design." It fell, out of your, it fell out of the order. So, so what you need to do is not allow your earthly relationships to skew your heavenly relationship, but let your heavenly relationship with your heavenly Father, let your relationship with Him give you a lens to see everybody else, including yourself. Yourself first. And so you don't want to let these unhealthy, ungodly things form your perspective and your belief because then when somebody comes to you trying to tell you the truth about creator God and how he God loves you and God so loved the world he gave his only begotten son and and all that stuff you're you're not going to receive it because you already have made a decision about what you believe if God loved me and if God was God he would have not let this whatever the blank is for you have happened to me so because this happened to me it is my evidence that whatever you tell me about him is not true. And you're gonna always see what you already believe. So the thing is, you can have faith in God. You can, God, I have faith in you. I have faith in you. So the next one is I am responsible. And you don't have to have to look at Genesis 1:26, but that's where God, God says, you know, let us make man in, in, in our image and in our likeness and, and give them dominion so that they may, they may rule. So we should have dominion. In God. From God's perspective, He gives us authority. Dominion speaks simply to authority, that we have a responsibility to take action, to rule and reign over the entire earth, is what it says. Not to dominate it in a dark kind of way, but to actually help it produce the life of what God had already created in seed form, so everything reproduces after His kind. We're stewards of this earth. We're stewards of it. And so we should be responsible. And then Psalm 115 is the verse I already quoted about God gave the world to mankind. So why is the world so messed up? Man, not God. Why did my dad come home drunk? Man, not God. And then what does the enemy do? Exposes and deceives and uh, leads man astray, uses man as a puppet to work his evil to destroy the earth. That's what he does. And so he ends up Blaming God, you know, all the time. But we have responsibility. So what that means when it comes to climate stuff is we should be responsible. I get so mad when I see people litter. Matter of fact, some of y'all see me do this. I almost did the Sunday. I almost did the Sunday. I just didn't want it to, to take my heart in a different direction, and it probably would have. But y'all have been here on certain Sundays because there's, there's times where I walk around, and I pray over this property, and I walk, and I see around the front door and around different places a cigarette bud. What do you, do you call it—a butt or a butt? Or what do you call it? T or D? T. Cigarette butt. <laughs> cigarette butt talks. That brings up a whole new image of why you shouldn't <laughs> smoke cigarettes. But anyways, so and I, I'm not judging anybody. What you do you whatever? I don't think you should smoke, but I'm whatever. But if you are going to smoke, don't flick it. I can't stand when people litter. When I'm in behind somebody and they throw a cup out the window, I'm telling you, whew, I want to just drive right through them. and go. I want to go grab the cup, come back, throw it back in their window. You know, and y'all see me sometime on Sunday come up and holding some of those butts up and being like, somebody drop some, whose is this? Y'all seen me do stuff like that, and everyone just gets real quiet. And like, I knew I should have went to another church. But the deal is, you did. I can't. So we got to be responsible. We have to be responsible with things, and and with. You know, whatever's happening in the climate and stuff, if we need to be responsible. We need to be practical and walk with common sense, but we need to be responsible because when the church is seen as people who don't care about the earth that God created, then that sends a confusing picture to the people of earth that you're trying to say God loves you, but you're dealing living irresponsibly so we don't need to drink the Kool-Aid of what the extreme people are teaching but we don't need to go attack it in such a way that what we stand for is missed because we blind it by what we stand against so we just, we need to be responsible and then and then the last couple things is this without these truths people are led to believe that the creation is god and now turn to Romans 1:26 we were I should have probably just went there earlier while we were there but You can flip around the Bible and get some exercise. So, because with with this truth not being realized practically in people's lives, they default to the worst and people can be led to believe some of these lies that that creation is God. And it clearly says this, uh, not just in Romans, but in some other places. It's what mankind does. We make idols out of it. We take good things and make them God things and a good thing can be a good thing it just doesn't need to be a god thing and so when you look at verse um 25 we read 20 and let's just read from let's just read 21 down through 25 because they because although they knew god they did not glorify him as god nor were they thankful but became uh futile which is just like vain and and Um, It talks about being confused and that kind of stuff. In their thoughts and their foolish hearts were darkened, professing to be wise, they became fools and changed the glory of the incorruptible God into an image made like the corruptible man and birds and four-footed animals and creeping things. Therefore, God gave them up to uncleanliness in the lust of their hearts to dishonor their bodies among themselves, who exchanged the truth of God for the lie, and worshiped and served the creature rather than the Creator, who is blessed forevermore. So, what it's saying is they served and worshiped. So, when they say they served and worshiped the creature, who's the main creature they're talking about? Or what's the main creature they're talking about? Mankind. Now, I'm talking about the snakes or the, I'm talking about mankind. And so what, they, what mankind does to worship mankind is they try to build, all, they try to build their kingdoms and build all this stuff, and sometimes they'll slap something on it and whatever. It's just like the golden calf. They made a golden calf and said, this golden calf is the God that brought you out of Egypt. And so what happens is you've got to be careful about this because it just it's, it's a, a way to, to worship the creature, worship the created. And sometimes it can be worship of earth and worship of, of, of other created things, but usually it's mankind. And so the sustainer then, if we're not going to believe the truth, we can be led to believe the lie that creation is God or we can, or that the sustainer is mankind. The sustainer is us. We are the sustainers. We are the upholders. We must do this. That's why we must fight climate change. That's why we must fight. We are the, It's up to us. And if we don't do it, no one's going to do it. It's up to us. And then you get into the ends justify the means. And the last one is, if you're believing the lie, it ends up being, well, the owner if the owner, is either us, we own it, which is so prideful, or the owner is unknowable. You could say the owner is absent. You could say the owner is is complacent or unknowable, meaning we don't know who owns all this. We don't know who created it. We don't know, but right now it's up to us. That sounds good, but it could be a wide open door to the demonic. So the last thing is this. The Bible does not teach spontaneous generation, meaning evolution. It does not teach it. Does not teach it, period. The second thing is pantheism, which basically means the, the universe or nature is my God. You could write the word nature above universe if you wanted to. Like we say mother nature. And we joke around saying that mother nature this or mother nature that or father time. That is ungodly and unbiblical. There is no mother nature. There is no father time. There is father God. And we've got to be, be careful because there's people that look to this movie stars and other people that look and, and because they have influence and money and whatever, people listen to them, blah, 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 and it's just all deception and they're deceived. And the last one is polytheism, which is belief in many gods, multiple gods. Rome had that. Egypt had that. Uh, Hinduism has that. There's lots of things. It's, it's, it's so, so what would happen is, um, I remember Rick Clendenin talking about when he was speaking to Hindus and stuff and going to India and different places. They would gladly accept Jesus as their savior. And we think, oh wow, he's no. Hang on a second. They gladly accept Jesus as one of their saviors. And that was one of the biggest. They easily easily received, you know, the teaching of Jesus until. You said he's the only way. That's when they would reject it. And the same thing happened in Rome. Same thing's happening today. Okay, we'll deal with Jesus. Okay, he's a prophet. He's whatever. We can handle some of the aspects of Jesus, but how dare you say he's the only way? It's like, hold on, bro. I didn't say it. He did. So you can reject him if you want to, but you can't put words in his mouth. Okay? So, the belief in, in in many gods. So, what I want to do is, I want to take a minute and I want to. First thing I want to do, I had a couple of things that came to my mind earlier today, and I want to just do this real quick. And let's just be honest, we're family. Let's just be honest, we're family. This may go a little bit, the first part's going to go a little bit away from what we were teaching. But if you're here, if you're here, and not just that you had a difficult day or a hard day and you're a little bit tired. I'm a little bit tired. But if you're here and it's like spiritually in this season of your life that may be, may be defined by you of this week, or this month, or something that maybe even started today, that you feel like there is, and this is just what I saw, that you feel like the, the wind the wind has turned and now you're going against the wind. You're going against the wind. I'm not talking about um, you turned and now you're going against the wind. You need to repent and start following God again. I'm talking about you've been doing what you, but, but the wind has turned is what it feels like. If that's you and you feel like you're going against the wind, not because of something dumb you did, but you're going against the wind and and you've been, to the best of your knowledge, not 100% perfect, but you've been going the right direction and the wind has turned against you. That's what I saw. If that's you, would you just please stand to your feet? Okay. Anybody else? Okay. I'm going to give a second because some of y'all are slow. Okay. Glenn, you might want to sit down. <laughs> if you don't know what we're standing up for. Okay. So here's what I like to do. Uh, y'all separate. You come up here a little bit so people can get around you. I want men with men, women with women. And what I want you to do, people who are standing, stay standing. I want you to, whoever feels comfortable, and there better be more than two people at each person, (laughs) I want you to come around them. And whether you pray out loud or pray silently, I want you to come around them and I want you to begin to pray. If you pray in the Spirit, if you pray in tongues, go ahead and pray in that over them. It's okay. They won't be talking to you. They're talking about you to God. Come around them and pray. And then I'm going to close this moment out in prayer in just a second. But come around them and just start praying. Thanks again for listening to the Face Center Podcast. To connect with us, go to faithcenter.tv and fill out our connection card. We pray blessings over you and your family. We'll see you next time.